Welcome again to the Multiverse of Badness, the non-famous Olsen sibling and a well-revered comic book podcasting community. I'm your host, Mike, the host most likely to pass out due to fatigue during our taping, but thankfully, we have a strong Welshman to help keep me energized. Zach, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. My lung capacity is the best it's been for years. I am three weeks and one day completely nicotine-free, so good for me. Yeah. Excited uh, to be alive, not excited really to think about this book. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's, I don't know, I've genuinely got mixed feelings. I'll get into it when we introduce what we're talking about and the story, but yeah, this, uh, this might have rubbed me up the wrong way. Okay, well, I have to say, and now prepare yourself for one of the most exciting reading experiences of your life, where <laughs> you are about to enter the fascinating, unpredictable world of the X-Men. Those words are ripped directly from the first page of the book we're reading, 1963's X-Men 1. And who are we to judge a classic duo like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby? Uh, we are podcasters, Mike. That's who we are to judge. We can judge anyone we want, and there is no official governing body to tell us not to. Yes, we can judge anyone, everywhere, all at once, and we will, because this was actually shelved almost after 66 poorly performing issues. They started rerunning some of the earlier issues through the 90s, and thankfully, it was saved by a much cooler X-Men team that it's pretty much the classic team that most people know today. Well, I get it. You know, X-Men, big part of my childhood. Absolutely loved it. It was the reason I got, you know, the X-Men cartoon was the reason I got into comic books at all, really, watching that as a little kid. X-Men were awesome. This X-Men, original X-Men, these pricks, not a nice bunch <laughs> of guys. <laughs> well, we have to start out quickly here because there's a lot to go over i have a lot of notes i normally don't take this many notes but there's a lot of stupid stuff going on from the cover which i'm not sure what marvel girl's doing back there all the other x-men are fighting magneto <laughs> iceman's throwing snowballs yeah, what's she doing looks like she's surfing she's definitely in a surfing pose <laughs> well again that's just the cover and it gets sillier after that why because is in the Right, actually, sorry to interrupt, but I've just realized... No, go ahead. Say somehow, Iceman, on the cover, is th he stood in front of Magneto, but he's throwing snowballs that are hitting Magneto in the back. That, that is not good. That's not a kind thing to do to your audience. Well, that's not the silliest thing he does in the first seven pages of the book. He gets sillier and sillier because on the second page... Professor X has all four of his new X-Men in a room together, no fucking furniture, complete bl blank walls. Iceman is on a stripper pole or something. I don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah, here. I noticed that. Like, what, one thing I'd like to point out in this is just how fucking authoritarian Professor Xavier was in his origins. He was like... Everyone here now, 15 seconds or you'll be punished. It's like, I've been listening to a series, the last podcast on the left, in a series <laughs> about the troubled teen industry and things like the Alan School, and this fully just fits in. It's just a place where a man with no official capacity to have power over children just abuses them. Right, and this gets weird out the shoot because Professor X is sitting here completely still. And within a panel or two, they're helping him with his blankets and shit. And you're like, oh, Professor X, he must be completely incapacitated. No, later on, he's moving his arms and shit. And so, yeah, he's just like, serve me, kids. <laughs> or be punished. He does threaten punishment a lot. <laughs> well, we quickly realize why 
this is an empty room because, yeah, just initially, apparently, the whole house was a fucking danger room. <laughs> it's a, a, a danger room with a really nice leather recliner in the middle of it. <laughs> well, I could say this. The one thing Professor X has is that he hates Angel almost as much as we do. Because Beast starts out, and he just gets to bop around in the danger room. And next thing we know, Angel is like nearly torched, almost <laughs> crushed by metal teeth, almost cut in half by blades. It's He just hates this dick. It's because at this stage, he was still referring to himself as the Angel. And oh, that really okay. wound me up as well. <laughs> but it's, it's just... It, really smacks off and i know obviously it's the first issue they're introducing the characters and they want to give everyone an idea of their power set but you know knowing x-men uh they're having them be in popular culture for like the last 59 60 years however long it's been it just smacks of a, an old man just abusing children for kicks <laughs> well he does let the Iceman bobby drake have a little bit of fun can you tell us what Bobby Drake, the Iceman, does to have fun? Bobby Drake, youngest of the X-Men, least respected, for some reason the only one who just gets a little pair of boots to wear instead of a full costume. Oh, he looks amazing. Uh, yeah, apparently he's too young to practice, although he's a full-fledged boot-wearing X-Man. So to... Yeah. <laughs> Professor Xavier gives him five minutes of free play. 16-year-old kid. Uh, so he uses it to... Right now, he would have had to have had these on him. Hopefully yeah. preparing for the bit, like, I'm going to blow their minds today. He pulls out two button eyes, a carrot nose, and, like, a Pringle mouth. And turns himself into a jolly talking snowman. But let's not forget, he also has a hat and a broom. So, yeah, he's just bringing the whole bag of goods. And this is where, yeah, we were talking about him giving Angel a hard time. Professor X is like, <laughs> hey, psychotically, or I would say telekinetically, but I would say psychotically tells Beast, hey, the kid's not paying attention. Throw a fucking bowling ball at him. <laughs> Pretty much exactly what happens. Also, going back to the broom, where was he keeping that? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uncomfortably somewhere. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> well, as I say, yeah, Beast fully strong arms a bowling ball right at the Iceman. And fair play to him. I really like this deflection. He basically just makes like a giant like lacrosse uh, yeah. highlight or something. Highlight, yeah. I don't know. He makes a giant sports pole and flings it right back at him. <laughs> well, at this point, Professor X, I guess, is like, hey, Cyclops, you're better than all these guys. Why don't you just Take them all out, but don't hurt them. Of course, Cyclops being a dick is like, oh, I'm just going to be Cyclops. I'm going to try to hurt people because I want to show Professor X how good I am. Yep. Well, I just love that as well. The fact that he told Beast to attack Iceman. And when that got too rowdy, he's like, whoa, whoa, slim. As Scott <laughs> Summers is called in this book, oh, slim, go break the fight up. And you've basically just got a grown man in a position of power having three children in tight spandex costumes beat the shit out of each other for his amusement. Well, if that doesn't sound creepy enough, remember that this is a bald-headed older man. And he's like, now, wait a minute. Somebody is coming. It happens to be a most attractive young lady. And as the X-Men are looking down on her from the window, they are saying some pretty 
inappropriate things? I, I think pretty inappropriate is being quite polite. They are being absolute <laughs> goddamn scumbags. And that, no, you put it perfectly, that really, really just gave me the ick. Was when uh, Professor Xavier is like, hey most attractive young lady. She's a fucking kid, mate. You need to calm the fuck down. And are we led to believe they are the only five pupils in the school at this point? Oh, 100%. And this is the only female. Now, here's the thing about this female. She comes, and yeah, the good news is, I will say this, Professor X told her exactly what she was getting into. Yes, you're super powered, and we're having a super powered school. That's what he says, right? Absolutely not. She turns up with no idea. What the- Yo, my parents put me in this car and you're supposed to tell me what's going on. And he's like, yes, sit on my lap and I will tell you all about my mind powers. <laughs> yeah, she has no idea what she's fucking doing here. Terrifying. It's just bonkers. And then it just gets creepier because these three. Per- Let me rephrase that. Particularly Beast and Angel. Yeah, at least Iceman, he's got some decency and he gets out of the picture quickly. But Beast and Angel are just assholes here. I thought funny 80s Beast was annoying. <laughs> Turns out original Beast is my least favorite Beast. How's that even possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. He just gets up close to her and tries to plant one right on her fucking cheek. Literally just right up in her face. And he says, let me be the first to welcome you to the X-Men, beautiful Mm. <laughs> Hank, take your hands off of her. At least now Angel gets a little bit of a conscious. But I also do like that they gave, uh, and by, when I say they, I mean uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby, at least gave Jean Grey the wherewithal to be like, fuck you, brother, and just shoot him into the sky with her mind powers. Get the fuck away from me. I'm not sure why she hung out after this. I think this all goes on within my first few minutes. I'm going to be like, look, you perverts, I'm out of here. Absolutely, especially given that you had no idea what you were getting into. And all of a sudden, like, everyone's like, you know that thing you've been hiding your entire life? We know about it. And also, we're going to watch you get changed later. Oh, yes. I, why didn't they give her a room with fucking doors to get changed in? It's beyond me. Yeah, that, 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 oh. The only thing creepier in this book is your first introduction to Magneto. That drawing of him is exquisite. (laughs) It really is. I like this, though, because I actually, um, Magneto is the best part of this book, except that he loves to talk out loud and brag about himself to himself a whole lot. Yeah, he's a a bit of a lonely guy. There's no brotherhood of evil mutants. Uh, If anything, we get uh, just told that you have to protect the world from evil mutants, is what Professor Xavier says. Now, good idea. Get good mutants, uh, and I mean, like, you know, people on the side of good in the good and evil fight, uh, to train and get ready for a battle that might potentially come. Uh, And then just so happens that he's like, oh, actually, yeah, no, turns out happening right now, guys. (laughs) Like, there's a guy, he's fucking up an army base. We need to go do something about it. What a fucking stroke of luck. I know. And then then we get Magneto, who decides, hey, I'm going to fuck with the military and blow up one of their rockets or pretty much send it off and let it fucking crash. He's apparently done this five previous times, and they're still just fucking sending rockets up into space for no good fucking reason. Just catching them with his mind and planting them in the sea. 
I do like when he is uh, starting to take over the base. So he's using his magnetic powers to make guns spin around and make tanks act menacingly. <laughs> but my favourite is when he uses all the dust particles oh, to, yes. uh, put a, to skywrite, surrender the base or I'll take it by force, and then a cursive signature that says <laughs> Magneto. <laughs> If I recall, we've seen something similar that Terra Man used to yes. get Superman's attention. Though I believe this predates Terra Man, so I'm going to say that Terra Man probably ripped off Magneto. Either way, I was very pleased to see that, just as I was when Terra Man did it. That shtick never gets old. More skywriting, please, and especially cursive signatures in the sky. So Magneto finally shows up at the base, and he's fucking around with all these people. We get our picture, of course, now of Jean Grey posing. <laughs> She's happy with three or four heads poking around in the corner like a fucking 50s porno or something. I don't know what's going on there. That is creepy as shit. It genuinely is. Like, she's there, like, genuinely, like, what should be a private moment trying on this costume. And they're lurking around the corner saying, Wowie, looks like she was poured into that uniform. <laughs> I'll drink her bath water. Fuck off. You're supposed to be the X-Men. <laughs> Extremely perverted is what it's short for. And then the next thing we get, of course, now the news is letting us know that, yes, Professor X, you put a team together at the exact right time. Magneto's fucking around. And off they go. Completely Ric Flair style here because they are styling and profiling. They all pack into a Bentley and then go <laughs> off and fly a private plane to the location. Well, this is what I mean. Professor X is a man of many, many resources, which, you know, you'd think he would have a giant house, yet, again, he says to them when he gets the news, be here in 15 seconds, no excuses will be tolerated. Do you know how closely these five children have to stay within him just in case he gets on a whim? Come to me, my X-Men. I want to see you dance. It's fucked. They haven't seen anything other than this one room in the mansion. Right. And at least you can tell that he means business because he actually speaks out loud for the first time. And Bobby Drake is like, whoa, I've never seen him like that before. This must be serious. How long have you guys been in this fucking house? Like half a day? <laughs> Maybe. Or, you know, years and years and years because clearly they don't know how to interact with... Uh, Homo sapiens, because <laughs> obviously, as we find out from Magneto, he's been calling the mutants Homo superior. <laughs> well, we do know that they have no idea how to interact with females. We've seen that time and time again. Fortunately, they show up at the right time and attempt to interact with Magneto. And, of course, they're doing their childish little things and not really doing a lot of damage to Magneto. Though, even though he says, hey, I can't take these guys... Uh, I have to take these guys seriously. And then Magneto just does what Magneto should do. He kills every single one of them by launching a rocket at them. Wham! The X-Men are dead. <laughs> Not before, though. He does have a moment of weakness where he goes, Hey, these guys are tough. I'm tired. And just like ragdolls onto the floor <laughs> for no reason. And then he's straight back up onto his feet. And yes, as you say, just firing rockets willy-nilly into the faces of these unsuspecting children. Oh, actually, no, tell a lie. Little Mr. Snowman Boots is just going to save the day by throwing snowballs, because that's exciting. 
Well, that happens slightly before this major explosion, which looks to have killed every X-Men. No, it did not. Scott Summers has decided... I'm sorry, you were burying the lead. You mean the explosion where Magneto takes a tanker full of rocket fuel, lights (laughs) it on fire, and just rolls it towards them. That's, yeah, that's a better explanation. And yes, blows it up, killing every one of them, supposedly, allegedly. Yes, a big old, uh, big old wham on the onomatopoeia scale. So yes, now we have a funeral for all four of these children. Five, I guess, five children. Their parents are shown at their grave with Professor X sitting there. What have I done? What have I done? No, that's not what happened. Scott Summers saves the day. How's he do that, Zach? Blasts out with his eyes and Magneto goes... Oh, that's a bit much for me, and just leaves. And that's how the story really kind of wraps up. (laughs) Yeah, he just fucks off here, which is kind of stupid, because I'm under the impression now is the time he should go, yeah, let's just kill these motherfuckers. I've been shooting rockets off into space, and I can't stop a guy that throws fucking snowballs at me. Why not go, holy shit, these guys are mutants like me and very powerful. Maybe I can try talk them around to my cause. Why not be like, guys, look, I won't make you dance in your pants like that creepy old bald guy you've been living in a room with. I will, you know, you can live your life. Just, you know, we'll have scheduled hours, three to six every day, evil bad guy training. The rest, you're just free to go. Yeah, and what's really funny is, yeah, he decides not to do that, even though he has two children that are honestly more powerful than any of these X-Men, and he decides to recruit the Toad. (laughs) The fake frogman, as we like to call him around here. But the general is thankful to the X-Men. We are warned that, sadly, this series isn't over. We're going to get an X-Men, too. We do also get a lovely little image of a, a... private jet flying away through the clouds with Professor X's face in the clouds staring pensively at it. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably not any happier with the results of this comic book than I am, but I won't spoil that. The comic book is over, which means we get to rate it to some degree on Multiverse of Radness and Multiverse of Sadness. We'll start with a radness. What do you find rad about this? What I find rad about this is that uh, for all its uh, faults, glaring neon obvious faults, like this was the birth of just a huge, huge, huge piece of popular culture. Who would have thought when they made this book, the editors must have read it. Like Stanley has said in interviews, he was basically pulling his punches on this book. He couldn't be asked to think of how they got superpowers and was just like, they're born with them. They're people who are born with superpowers. And to think that this would then become, like, one of the biggest cultural touchstones in in Western pop culture. No, I agree with you there. It's hard to argue that the X-Men are arguably the most famous, I guess now the Avengers have passed them, but there was a time... I would say the X-Men were much more popular than the Avengers and probably even more popular than the JLA at some point. So oh, JLA sucked, though. <laughs> yeah, we don't fuck with the JLA, but you tell you what I do fuck with, Multiverse of Radness, Iceman dressed up as a fucking snowman in boots. <laughs> I love that. I literally LOL'd when I saw that. I had no choice. Lol. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> but Sadness... 
What's the matter with this book? Oh, I think I know a few things. Yeah, it's probably the child abuse, really, when you boil it down. <laughs> when, you, when you really look at it, and when I say re-look at it, I mean just a tertiary glance at this book will reveal astounding amounts of child abuse. Not only child abuse, even those abused are misogynistic as shit. It's ugly all around. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, abuse will, I, I guess, do that to you where they're trapped, <laughs> though, aren't they? They've just been four boys trapped with an old man. And all of a sudden you throw a girl into the mix. They're going to go feral. It's not going to end well. <laughs> well, it apparently ended well for them. Not the girl who ended up dying eventually, but I think the rest of them are still alive. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Jean Grey's died a few times, right? <laughs> I don't believe any of this actually happened. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, no, I don't believe it. No, I don't believe in comic books, okay? I'm a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a way that we should thumb up or thumb down this this week, Zach? Ooh, now you're thinking. I was walking around the supermarket earlier buying some fresh produce, thinking, ooh, what can I call this section? And then I forgot to. So we are going to call it, would you Iceman it? Or, nice, can it? Oh, very good. No, I like that. I like that. I'm going to can it. Yeah, nice, can it. Yeah, not the best. Like you said, historically, I'm glad this existed. It led to many good things, but not many of them were here. You know, Cyclops is always going to suck. And (laughs) that's okay because that's his... That's his character, so I'm actually okay with Cyclops being kind of a dick. Like, there's, if there's genuinely, I've always thought, like, there's one thing, if I can think back to, like, one of the earliest things that I was absolutely sure about in my life is that I don't like Cyclops. Yeah, Cyclops is always going to suck. Uh, that being said, Angel and Beast, who we give a lot of hate to for different reasons, were even more hateable here. <laughs> I didn't even think it was possible Fuck those guys. Iceman and Marvel Girl I was fine with. But Professor X, pervert. It's just a really weird situation. It, it, it leaves a, a bitter taste in my mouth. So I think, uh, yeah, did I let you rate it? I, you don't think, it? I, nice I, I don't think I need to, really. I think I've been quite <laughs> clear with my feelings towards this book. Fair enough. Then I think we are done talking about this unsavory piece of history. But it was 1963, so we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give Stanley a little bit of a pass because Excelsior, he is the man. Nope, not standing for nope. it. No, I joke. <laughs> right. I joke. I kid. I, I just. I kid. I kid. I, I think it's a great standpoint to take, being like really anti-Stanley, just because it confuses and angers nerds. Like they've never heard anyone <laughs> say it, and they're like. What? You don't like Stan Lee? I like Stan Lee. He has done so much for pop culture and my personal taste in what I like. But the the guy couldn't write. Well, you know what he's also responsible for? The number one house rule, Nightcat. Gotta love it. He didn't write number one house rule. He, he created Nightcat, but I do not think Stan Lee wrote the song number one house rule. Oh, I bet he did. Just fucking cruising around his pad with his guitar like... Honey, I've got it. Excelsior. <laughs> Hanging out with Herbie Hancock, doing pounds of blow, and coming up with number one house rule. That never happened. All that's allegedly. However, we are done reviewing X-Men number one. So I have to tell the Mob Squad a few things. Number one is you can reach us 
on Mastodon. As you know, Multiverse of Badness at toot.wales. You can also reach us via telephone, 949-393-9391. We also have a live stream on Twitch at Multiverse of Bad. Check Zach out playing games and doing all kinds of cool stuff. And finally, Zach, how might they reach us via email? Well, there's many different ways that you can reach us via email, but some of my personal favorites are creepy old man and his boy gang at multiverseofbadness.com. Uh, you can reach us at Magneto's Helmet looked a bit too tight in this book at multiverseofbadness.com. And you can reach us at Stanley's Mustache was actually just cocaine, allegedly, at <laughs> multiverseofbadness.com. That is 100% allegedly, but what is not alleged, I forgot to mention. You can also support us on Patreon for $1.49 US dollars a month. We already have a patron. Thank you so much, Ken, and we love you. You will get to hear us do some pre-show ramble. And in this week, we talked about bad horror movies and other things I don't even recall. But yeah, about five minutes worth of that shit. So, And then if you're in the UK, that's £1.20. You can't even buy, like, a can of Dr. Pepper for £1.20 anymore. Get yourself on the Patreon. We want to quit our jobs. <laughs> but, finally, as we leave, if your idea of mentoring includes trying to greatly injure young adults, you're probably Professor X. You can keep that sick-ass lifestyle, because we don't fuck around with that here in The Multiverse of Badness. Nice. Oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs>